Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Issues 2018. I'm Steve McIntosh. And our guests are Carrie McGregor, Director of Harbor House, and Jessica Windler, who's an adult counselor at Harbor House. Welcome to Issues 2018. Did I get those titles just about right? You sure did. Thank you. All right. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and we want to get some measure of how big this problem is. But first, uh, why don't you explain to me exactly what is Harbor House? Well, Harbor House is one of the two um, domestic violence shelters here in Sedgwick County. We identify as an emergency shelter for victims who are fleeing an unsafe situation and relationship. Um, But beyond shelter, we also provide advocacy and resources out in the community. Uh, That can be where an advocate actually goes out and meets with victims or survivors who are not able to leave a relationship yet or are not interested in leaving a relationship yet or uh, maybe just has past trauma from domestic violence and are needing that that resource. Carrie, you've just answered about four of my questions. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Can you share some statistics nationally on domestic violence with us? We have been promoting through the month of October on our Catholic Charities Facebook page statistics and things for the community to be aware of on a daily basis. One of the biggest statistics that we've been sharing is that um, every 90 seconds, somebody in, I'm sorry, every nine seconds in the U.S., somebody is hurt, beaten, or assaulted by their partner. Um, That also is one in four women and one in seven men that are affected by this violence on a national scale. Every nine seconds. Every nine seconds. Less than it took you to answer that question. There were about three of them Yeah, that's a great point. Wow, wow. Absolutely. How about locally? Do you have any numbers locally then? So locally, um, so far this year, we have had now six homicides, um, six fatalities due to domestic violence. I don't have the number for DV crimes that have been committed, but what I can tell you uh, from an advocacy standpoint is that we serve roughly 700 to 800 people a year, and we turn away on average 60 to 70 people a month. So that can really give people an idea of just how big of a problem this really is locally here in our community. And in just the past few days, we had uh, a homicide, actually a murder-suicide, involving some uh, with a history of domestic violence, this couple. Yes, okay. yes, very, very sad. So who? one of you defined for me, uh, how do we define domestic violence? Uh, what, what is it then? Domestic violence really um, is about power and control over another person. It comes in many forms. It, I think a lot of people identify domestic violence as physical abuse. While that is a factor of domestic violence, it comes, like I mentioned, in many different forms. So there can be emotional abuse. Um, where they're putting their partner down, they're making them feel bad about themselves, psychological abuse, playing mind games, manipulating them, intimidating them. And there's also that component of financial abuse, not allowing their partner to have access to finances or even allowing them to work. So in addition to that, there would also be sexual abuse that occurs within a relationship. 
Now, we talk about the homicides because they're the ones that attract the most attention, but that's kind yeah. of the, the, the tip of a great big iceberg then? You're absolutely right, <laughs> okay. yeah. Uh, is the male always the abuser? No, the male is not always the abuser. Um, Harbor House does serve men. And as I mentioned in the statistic before, one in seven men are also victims of domestic violence and all of the forms that I just mentioned prior. How about DV uh, gender neutral? Does it happen in same-sex relationships? Absolutely. Um, We see that we will serve those individuals that are in a same-sex relationship. And you see it it can be very similar to um, a man and a woman, and there can be physical violence, sexual violence, financial violence, emotional violence, and psychological violence within that relationship as well. Do you see that more common in the past few years when it's become more acceptable for people to admit that uh, they're not gender gender neutral or they you know what I'm saying that they're gay or something I just it, think that the more that you're out in the community the more media and education that people receive and and know that there are services that can support that relationship as well and that they can get help just the same as a female um, victim that they are coming to us as well and you look at these numbers and they're startling okay but how do they compare in past years are we seeing any trends here. Again, I would say we see our numbers increase, but that's part of us being in the community, getting the education out there, trying to connect with people, and really, you know, other providers, law enforcement, school systems, um, legal systems, just saying, hey, we're a resource for these individuals, and if this is something that has arisen, that, you know, refer them to us, have them call our crisis line, and we can talk to them about services that might be available for them. When Something like this, whenever I talk about statistics on things like this, uh, there is this thing where... uh, yeah, it's become more acceptable uh, mm-hmm. to admit it. Uh, when I started doing radio back as many years ago, I, I would presume that not that many women would admit that they would be they had been raped, mm-hmm. and so it becomes they need more. You know, with not the popularity, but with the knowledge, like you said, education brings people out. They start telling what they're their, their stories, right? Yeah, I think um, something that we as a program have really tried to do over the last few years is fight against the stigmas against domestic violence so that people do feel more comfortable coming forward. And then the community then also knows how to respond when somebody comes forward and they don't have to feel, um, you know, that they need to shame somebody or blame somebody that instead they're accepting what they're saying and they're helping provide them resources. So I think we have done a much better job in our community over the last several years. All right, Jessica, you're the adult counselor. Correct. I'm going to... Name this one at you. Why doesn't the victim just simply pack up and leave? Well, that is a a really good question, and we hear that a lot. There are a lot of barriers. Um, Imagine, you know, stepping away from your household today and leaving behind um, pets, um, having the threat of him taking you to court for custody of the children, financially speaking, and just every little piece of your life, you are potentially going to walk away as long with there can be threats of additional violence and potentially potentially not feeling like you are being accepted by friends and family. And then like, there's that bigger picture of what do I do next? And that's why we are very, very fortunate in the way that we're staffed so that we can address those things. We can come up with a safety plan. We can come up with supports. We can provide them with the counseling and the advocacy so that they feel confident in their next decision. And they can do it, um, very most importantly, um, safe, safely. That's, that, would, that would be one of our biggest goals right there. Carrie, you and, and I, and, and we did an interview several years ago. I think it was you and I were talking. Yeah. And we brought a, a person, you brought a person with you who is a victim of domestic violence. Yes. Do you remember that interview? I remember one thing that stood out. 
I do remember that interview. I have done several since, <laughs> but I do remember um, that day and whom that person was and her her situation and, and she, circumstance. And she went through all this stuff and all this stuff that she'd been through, all these terrible, terrible things. And and finally, we got to the bottom line, and she was still with this guy. Yeah. She had gone back to him again. And he, because what all the factors you're talking about there, there's a relationship here, mm-hmm. an emotional relationship. Yeah, there is definitely the grief and loss of a relationship and what you were hoping um, something would be. And I think the other thing we try to tell people is these relationships don't always, most of the time, they're not going to start off unhealthy. I mean, they there's a buildup to this violence. And so there is a grief and a loss of that relationship. But another thing to mention is one of those factors was financial abuse. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for somebody to up and leave their home if they don't have anywhere to go and they don't have the income or the means to support themselves. And then they have three and four little children looking to them to provide and, and to support them. So that is a, a very real life scenario, somebody trying to flee domestic violence that I think the community really needs to be aware of. Mm-hmm. But as Jessica mentioned, that's something we help them to overcome um, once we are able to serve them either in shelter or on an outreach yeah, basis. Because the abuser may be the, quote, breadwinner in that family, yeah. and the other person may not have any resources at all. Absolutely. Okay. Sometimes, like I mentioned before, they're not allowed to work or they're not able to work um, or haven't had the time to develop skill sets in which they need to be able to provide for themselves. You're listening to Issues 2018 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guests are Carrie McGregor and Jessica Wengler from uh, Harbor House here in Wichita, back to Harbor House. You defined Harbor House a minute ago, but that is, uh, who, who are you financing? How are you financing a Harbor House? So we are a nonprofit who are primarily funded through grants, both state and federal and private grants, allow us to do the work that we do. Um, they provide us the resources to serve the clients. A big part of that is the staffing to ensure that we have the people, the right people in the right roles to do the work for the survivors. So, so it's a Catholic Charities deal, though, right? Yes. Okay. To make sure we say that, yes. let's talk for a moment about uh, the impact of DV on children who are involved, who are not necessarily the target of the abuser, but those who are just involved. Mm-hmm. They're in the family, Jessica, and all of a sudden they're caught up in all of this. Talk about the kids for a little bit. Um, so, you know, the kids are going to be directly or indirectly impacted by the domestic violence that's occurring. And, and we talk to anybody about what does that trauma feel like? And for a child, that can be very frightening. And, and they're with their parents, and they just kind of have to be a part of those circumstances. And then at the end of the day, they're going to school. You know, they're spending time with their peer group. So one thing that we are very fortunate is we have a child and family counselor that can work on that and, and sit there and spend time with the kids, talk to them about what's going on. Um, what are coping mechanisms? How do they feel? I mean, it can be very, very scary for them when they're concerned that one of their parents might hurt their other parent. And, and what can they do? What can they do next? So they can be very similar in adult that they're feeling the stress and trauma, but they may not necessarily have the vocabulary to describe um, what they're feeling. How, is there a formula you have that you can hand to somebody and say, all right, this is when you need to go for help? Uh, how do the how does this person determine mm, time to go? This is the last straw. You know that that is something that I talk about one on one with a lot of individuals, and and I will oftentimes kind of phrase it to them: what what happened in this moment 
that you decided that, you know, this is going to be the last moment that you're going to spend with this person. And, and a lot of times it's, they might have had the education or the support or they made a phone call or somebody's just like, hey, you know, you can, you can be safe. We can get you out of these circumstances. And, and they're provided with some hope about what to do next. And so that sometimes can be a big, big factor for them to think, okay, now, now I have a support system. I can make another decision. And sometimes the first contact is with the, is the police department. It uh, absolutely can be, yes. And beyond arresting somebody, what are police equipped to do in helping victims? Okay. We do currently. Carrie? Carrie's sure, speaking. I would love to answer that one. We currently have um, a lethality assessment project. Oh, that what is, was that now? It's lethality assessment project. Lethality. Um, okay. What we refer to as LAP. Um, oh. It's actually um, a policy that is now being... Um, done by the Wichita Police Department. So when law enforcement go on scene to a domestic violence call, if there is an arrest or a pickup made for the offender, then they automatically have the resource to hand the victim or survivor a phone, and that phone then routes them to one of the two domestic violence shelters. Wow. When, so did, that, when did that start? We piloted this in 2016, okay. to the, um, starting with the North Patrol Station, and just the March of this year, it has now spread to all four bureaus. So, you know, what police will tell you, most police will say, hey, uh, the most dangerous call there is is a DV call. You're all of a sudden a police officer and you're right in the middle of this thing. Absolutely. I've heard that many times talking to officers because it's really hard for them to determine what the state of mind of the offender is going to be and how long um, this relationship has been occurring, the history of this relationship, the history of the violence, and a lot of, of what they mention is it is a very unknown call on what they will be walking into. Well, and I presume in their basic training now, the police department's going, getting some training on that. Yes. Do you go and train them? I, I, <laughs> Harbor House <laughs> does take part in training law enforcement. Um, but we do also have another domestic violence provider in the community called Stepstone, which is one of the transitional housing programs, and they do a majority of the training with law enforcement, and they do an absolutely exceptional job. Most of the officers that I've spoken with that have attended the trainings, a lot of it is trauma-informed and how to interview victims. Um, they've all reported back that it's been one of the best trainings they've ever attended. What about legal steps uh, that can be taken to gain some protection? What, what are the things they can do? So uh, we do have protection orders um, that are available to clients through the city courthouse, or I'm sorry, district courthouse, and the clients can go to, on the first floor, they are able to go and apply for a protection order. We actually have four advocates that are there um, who are not court staff, but are employed through the four domestic violence and sexual assault programs who can walk them through the process of a protection order and help get those orders signed and also sit with them in court and assist them with the process. Now, let's go backtrack a little bit more again about, let's talk more about Harbor House. Uh, how many, you were talking about the, the, the number of victims you see coming through your door every year. How many, how many was that, uh, Carrie? Between shelter and outreach, we serve between seven and 800 a year. Hmm. And you, you can't service them all. You can't help them all then. Those are, um, that number are those who are being actively served by an advocate or counselor um, 
with domestic violence services. So we are serving that number. The additional 60 to 70 that we turn away, we do serve them at some capacity because we never just say we're full, we can't help. We always spend time on that hotline giving them tips and safety planning with them and providing them resources and trying to help them along the way until they're able to safely come into shelter. And you're ready to take children in there, right? We do. We take single adults and we take um, parents with children. How long can a, a person or several persons stay in Harbor House then? Ideally, we are a six-week program, but we do identify and understand that six weeks is not a very long time for people to overcome a lot of the trauma that they've experienced. So we have the ability to extend beyond that stay if um, their safety continues to be a factor and if their barriers continue to be high, we're able to extend them beyond that. But on average, people stay between six and eight weeks. But while they're there, they're getting some support and some help and some counseling from uh, from people like Jessica, right? On what do you do next, yes. Jessica? Right? Yeah. Right, do you, right. Have, how long have you been doing this, Jessica? Um, over eleven years now. So oh, it's eleven been... years. So you know what you're doing to buy now, huh? I, I hope so. I hope <laughs> okay. so. She's an expert. All right. Yes. That's why she's here. Are there uh, other shelters available in Wichita? I think you mentioned at least one other one. Yeah, uh, yeah, Wichita Family Crisis Center, which was formerly known as the YWCA. They are the other emergency shelter for domestic violence victims. What about communities nearby? I mean, we've got a signal here. We go out. People in other cities are listening yeah. to us right now. There is a domestic violence shelter in Elder. Um, there's a domestic violence shelter in Hutchinson, and there's also one in Newton. Now, you talked about uh, – uh, let's talk about some of the additional services that you offered. Tell, tell us about some of the programs that are available. You're talking about StepStone. Yes. What are, what are some others? Yeah, StepStone um, is a transitional housing program that we often refer clients to. It is a two-year transitional housing program. So that will allow the clients up to two years to remain in um, – and housing with continued support, continued advocacy, and continued counseling for those two years. So that is um, a housing opportunity that we do refer people to often. Harbor House does have an outreach project called SAFE. Um, they are, have been around since 2012, but it stands for Safety, Advocacy, Finances, and Employment. And the goal for them um, in helping victims is to help them with employment and help them um, transition out of their relationship back into employment safely so that they can re- regain their independence and stability. In the in every step of what you're telling me today, though, there's a, a factor of um, keeping these people safe while the, the abuser is still out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to use the word hide, but uh, actually... Uh, you don't advertise where Harbor House is, do you, uh, or any of the shelters? No, um, Harbor House, um, as well as Wichita Family Crisis Center, are confidential locations. Okay. Uh, let's talk for a little bit uh, about uh, the other side of the coin, about the abuser. Um, maybe Jessica would, would be better on this. Tell us about some of the characteristics that, that uh, we see, characteristics in an abuser. What are we looking for there? When I'm meeting with individuals who've been in an abusive relationship, they're going to describe somebody who most likely can be very controlling, um, very possessive, um, sometimes slightly insecure. So that's kind of like they're going to want their hand in everything. They're going to want to know like how the um, the person that we're serving spends every minute of her day and kind of can be demanding in in, in what she does. Um, and the other side of that, though, is is 
in the community, they can be kind, they can be respected, you can meet somebody and have um, not an idea that maybe that they're abusive within the household. Um, so this is what our victims concern or fear sometimes is, is when they're trying to tell somebody, they feel like oh, they're not going to believe me because he, he seems so kind and endearing or like he's got his life together and, and he is the breadwinner or he manages the household and, and you know how are people going to feel about me. So abusers can be all types of um, a person. Um, we, we see about everything. And like I said, sometimes they can be very, very functional within the community. And, and you may not know that this is happening within this household. Is there any way for volunteers to get involved in this work? Uh, I don't know, foster homes, anything like that? Uh, Carrie, what about it? Yeah, at Catholic Charities Harbor House, we have a volunteer coordinator. So if anybody is interested in volunteering um, at Harbor House, we would absolutely welcome that. They're able to go on our website at catholiccharitieswichita.org and apply. But they can also just call our hotline at 263-6000 and let us know that they're interested in giving back and helping out. And we would be happy to route them to the appropriate person and give them the opportunity to give back in a way that fulfills them as well. You talked about how do you finance your programs and so forth, but do you do any fun, special fundraisers through the year? We do. I think, I think of one, I believe. Did I yeah. Know? Go ahead. We have two big fundraisers every year. Um, typically in February, we have what we call Cruise Night, and it is a benefit for both shelters, Harbor House and St. Anthony Family Shelter. Um, and then we have one in typically in July over the summer, we have what we call Bags to Riches. It is essentially a girls' night out where people can come do some shopping, drink some wine, um, hang out with their friends, and all of the proceeds from those purses and uh, boutiques are coming back to Harbor House and or St. Anthony Family Shelter. Before we went on the air, you mentioned something going on in the month of October, Purple something. What was that? Yes. Um, with October being Domestic Violence Awareness Month, we are doing a social media campaign titled Hashtag Purple Thursday ICT. Uh, where we are encouraging the community and survivors to wear the color purple on Thursdays, which represents domestic violence, and share that photo to hashtag Purple Thursday ICT. Now, I found a national hotline for DV victims at 800-799-7233, but uh, you just talked about a, a local number, uh, yeah. 263-6000. Yes, that is, is that, our hotline number. Okay, the hotline. So is that available 24-7? 24 7, 365 days a year. Somebody's going to be able to help there. Yes. We are um, clocked or um, have employees on that line around mm -hmm. the clock. Now, I don't know if you're involved in United Way or not. We do. Okay. So if somebody, here's a simple one 211. 211 is a great one. That's the United Way's hotline number. That'll give you, that'll get you to almost anybody on any topic there is. Yes. And uh, they just, they need to disclose um, their, whom they're looking for, and they'll get them routed to us and give them our hotline number. Jessica, you're involved in something that uh, most of us say, well, gosh, I wouldn't want to do that work. But uh, what's the payoff? How do you, what's good about what you're doing with counseling people who are involved in this? That is one of my favorite questions. <laughs> um, I do try to continue my relationship with the individual beyond their stay within us. And, you know, um, every once in a while, I can get somebody that might call me three years out and just tell me how amazing that their life is, that maybe they're happily married, or maybe that they have the job or the education that they worked for. And sometimes we kind of call them like just normal life problems, like they have bills to pay and children to take care of, and, and you know, just a lot of things that take up their time. And that absolutely, absolutely is 
is the payoff. And I can offer this information to the clients we serve. I can say, hey, I talk to people very often. And, and they do. At the end of the day, their life is what they would like it to be. There was some hard work that, you know, was in front of that. However, at this point, they're doing they're doing very, very well. So every now and then you get a success story. Huh? Absolutely. And do we ever have families that stay together? The abuser gets help and things like that? or? I, she, I mean, go ahead. Personally, I think that that's a little bit less common. Um, a lot of times there is that separation and, and maybe the legal systems become involved and they put a lot of safety measures in place to keep um, the family safe when they're, they're, they're doing visitation or whatever it may look like. But most often we will see them at some point um, separate um, entirely. Okay, so October is uh, a national uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and uh, we thank you for being with us this morning. Uh, the phone number again, the hotline is 263-6000 if you are in a relationship and you'd like to get some help. 263-6000. Our guests are Carrie McGregor, Director of Harbor House, and Jessica Windler, who is an adult, uh, adult counselor at Harbor House as well. That's all for this edition of Issues 2018. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 